We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On the Sooner Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College. Grace and tackle, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Oh, mama! This is the Bud Light OU Huddle, presented by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. The OU Huddle is also brought to you by AT&T 5G the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Homeland, proud sponsor of Sooner Football. Moody's Country Store and Barbecue, bringing you the best in barbecue. And by Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Let's go! This is the OU Huddle. Now, here are your hosts, Teddy Lehman, and the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on a Thursday night. It is time for the huddle. We've got two straight hours of Sooner talk in front of us. In the next hour, OU basketball will be joined by Sooner men's head coach Lon Kruger and Sooner women's head coach Sherry Cole. Men coming off a big-time win again in the midweek over Kansas State. They've got Kansas on Saturday, and the women have Baylor. So a huge weekend coming up. But this first hour, we call it the huddle. It's dedicated to OU football. And I am thrilled tonight to welcome back, and I hope you'll help me as well, the Butkus Award winner, Teddy Lehman, everybody. Welcome, Ted. What's up, my man? I've missed you. I've missed you, too. It's been a bit. Ted and I haven't seen each other. Since the Big 12 championship game, I don't think. I know. I got sidelined for the Cotton Bowl, and then he got put on the bench for a while. But 
It's good to see you again, bud. How it's you good feeling? to be back, man. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to talk some football. It's always football time in Oklahoma. I know we're past the season, but gosh, there's always so much stuff to talk about with this group. There's a lot going on. We're going to get to some new coaches. We got some transfer portal news. We got uh, layman's terms coming up a little bit later in the show. I think you're going to like that, but... First things first, our opening segment's brought to you by McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all your personal injury needs. I got to get your take on how the season ended. The Cotton Bowl, 55-20 win over Florida, very impressive. Yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was great. I thought the team showed up. They were ready. They were excited to be there. Uh, you could tell that they, they had a good preparation, had a good idea of what they wanted to do against Florida. You know, defense, uh, you know, was fantastic. I, I loved what I saw there. You know, we've got so many guys to be excited about for the future, really at all three levels, defensive line, linebacker, uh, defensive back on the back end. They, you know, they look really good. And I thought the game plan was executed to perfection. You know, you really uh, forced Trask into some tough spots, forced turnovers, which was huge. He hadn't done that all season. So uh, I thought our guys were hungry, ready to execute, and and it showed. Offense, the same thing on offense, too. You know, we, we had had, you know, to close out the end of the season, there had been a little bit of struggles at times, uh, running the football, offensive line a little bit, but they showed up, ran the ball extremely well, was a physical game. Uh, you know, especially on our end, we really set the tone out there. I thought it was a great way to cap off a good season. I was interested going in to see if, one, the defense that had had such a great year could hold up against, obviously, a yeah. powerful SEC offense, even though they were missing some guys. And two, you know, Oklahoma had been struggling to run the ball a little bit. Now they're going up against an, an SEC defense. Could they have success on the ground? I mean, holy cow. They turn them over on the first three possessions, yeah. and they run for 435 yards. So uh, questions answered emphatically. Well, I mean, it's amazing, you know, whenever you listen to some of the comments at the end of that game, you know, you would have thought that. Easy, easy. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> Kyle Trask, everyone wants to talk about how they didn't have everyone. I get that. That's true. But that doesn't make you throw the football to the other team. I mean, yeah. You know, they were missing wide receivers and tight ends. That doesn't make you give up 435 on the ground. So, I don't know. I And if you want to use that as an excuse, I'll just say that maybe it means more to Oklahoma to show up in a big football game and prepare and play well. I mean, I, I love that our guys, you know, you had comments coming from Florida the week before. I love that our guys took that as – ammunition to to practice well propel uh, prepare well and be ready to go out there for a dogfight and and it showed who the the team that was more prepared was it was Oklahoma it wasn't close we had our award show here on the huddle last week Chris Plank uh, passed out a ton of awards to different position groups and players of the year but I'd love to know your thoughts on some of these we're not going to go through them all but who was your player of the year it's hard not For to give OU. It, yeah, it's hard not to give it to Spencer Rattler. I mean, as a redshirt freshman to come in and be as consistent as he was throughout the season, was it always perfect? No. Were there some things that he could do better? Absolutely. But the level of play from him I thought was just excellent overall. And let you feel like going into his next season, his second year, that he's going to be even better. 
I was really proud of, of the fact, because, you know, I didn't know what to think. Yeah, I've heard a lot about how good he is. He's a five-star quarterback. He's got all the tools. Just didn't really know. Sometimes it translates. Sometimes it doesn't. And I thought the most amazing thing from him is that it just looked like he had been there. The poise, the confidence, the calm in the pocket. I mean, the hardest thing to do, and it's not just as a freshman in Division One football, it's in the NFL, it's every single level, is as a quarterback, be able to keep your eyes downfield whenever guys are trying to tear you apart in the pocket. And as you go through these highlights, you know, he was under a lot of pressure at times and continues to keep the eyes downfield and find guys and extend plays. That's what really separates him from uh, the rest of the quarterbacks that we've seen really in this conference. And it's really a hallmark of quarterbacks over the last couple of years at Oklahoma, extending plays, eyes downfield as things develop instead of getting enamored with the rush and the danger around you. I expected the rocket arm. I, I, I expected some athleticism out of him. I knew he was a good quarterback. He blew me away with his poise, which yeah. I think is what you're yeah. saying, especially in year one, and yeah. especially after he got benched in the middle of the Red River Showdown. Yeah, you know, I thought that there was, and maybe this has a little something to do with the benching, but what I was worried about, you know, following up two Heisman Trophy winners and a Heisman finalist, he's going to go out and feel like he's got to win the Heisman Trophy on every series and every game on every play. So maybe he was going to try and do too much. And ultimately, that wasn't the case at all. You know, as he got better, I felt like he did less. You know, some of his best games, all he did is make the quick, easy play, get the ball to your playmakers and let them go. And, you know, that's easier said than done. And I thought he was fantastic. All right. You had the four overtime win over Texas, a great performance in Bedlam for the team. Uh, you had the Big 12 championship game where they got revenge against Iowa State. We just talked about the Cotton Bowl. What was your favorite game this year? It was For me, it was the Big 12 championship. I thought that was the best team that we played all year. They had beaten you earlier at their house, and it was a chance to get revenge. Um, you know, you knew going in that this is going to be a complete football game, a complete team. They, they had the ability to hurt you with their offense and defense. And I thought we showed up ready for the fight, physical. Uh, it was a more of a defensive battle. We, we've trended that way over the last year or so. And I just thought it was a lot of fun, forcing turnovers, watching our guys move the line of scrimmage here on offense. And really, this is the reason, Toby. Little Chandler Morris <laughs> down there in the red zone scoring a touchdown. It's your guy. I thought it was great. I thought the game had everything. I thought it was, was exciting. And I thought it was the best matchup that we've had since we reinstated the Big 12 championship game. The Iowa State looked pretty good in the Fiesta Bowl, too, against Oregon. Well, they're going to be good so next year. They got everyone back. They got man. everybody back. You're exactly right. What about your newcomer of the year for OU this year? I think it's got to be Mims. You know, um, I'm not really sure how we classify newcomers or not. I know he's a newcomer. He's a true freshman, and he goes out there and breaks the all-time record for true freshman touchdowns in a season with nine. I thought he was great. Um, you know, he's got great speed. He showed, you know, excellent ability in, in some of the, the route running capabilities after the catch. For a young guy, it usually doesn't all come together. Maybe you've got 
you know, incredible speed and you can become a good deep ball threat. You know, maybe you're really elusive once the ball's in your hands. Rarely do you have a guy that puts all of those together, the route running, the understanding of the offense, ability after the catch, uh, you know, ability to go up and make competitive plays in traffic. Rarely in a true freshman do you get a guy that checks all the boxes. And I thought we saw that with Mims. I, I think mean, going into the season – there was a lot of options to choose from of who was going to be the number one yeah. guy. I don't think anyone took Mims. I think he's Sterling Shepard. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what he's going to be. You just went down the checklist of everything that he does. Is there something that blows you away? He's not super tall. He's not crazy athletic. He's fast enough, but he's just got a knack, man, for finding, for getting open and making the catch. And How many times did Marvin Mims drop a ball this year? I mean, it might have happened once or twice. I, I mean, can't remember it off the top of rarely, my head. So. Rarely. I mean, he was fantastic. A yeah. couple of other guys I know you want to give some love to here off the top. Austin Stogner? Well, yeah. I mean, whenever we're talking about guys that had good years and you try and project to next season, I think Stogner, you know, whenever – during this year, he was great, and then he disappeared, right? The injury at Kansas mm – -hmm. And we felt what that was like, our offense without him, and it wasn't nearly as good. And I feel like not having him at the end of the year made people forget how big a part of the offense that he was throughout the season. And, you know, he came, he made his way back for the bowl game and got in there a couple of times and we targeted him. But going forward, I think Stogner's going to be a massive part of this offense. The size, uh, the ability to make those competitive catches over the middle and in the red zone. This touchdown at Texas here. This might be uh, the best catch of the year. Yeah, for it was him. great. Got a guy on his back, goes up and high points that football, those big hands. I, I think that Stogner had a fantastic season, and it kind of flies a little bit under the radar because of the injury and, and didn't really get to cap it off as explosive as it started. Isaiah Thomas. Also, fantastic. Well, Maybe the best defensive player for OU this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think it's pretty telling that Alex Grinch was talking about Isaiah Thomas needs to be the defensive player of the year in the Big 12. And you really can't argue with it. The production was there. Eight sacks, eight and a half sacks there. He had plenty of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. High effort guy, high motor guy, sideline to sideline. I mean, he's just an amazing guy. And I think he gets lost in the mix. We hear about Perkins all the time, and yep. I think Perkins is great. You know, we hear about Perry you know, on Winfrey. Perry on Winfrey. We hear about some of the backers and the guys in the back end. Nick Benito. But I don't think Isaiah Thomas ever got really the respect he deserves for the season that he had. It was fantastic. And he was the guy from start to finish that was the most consistent player on the defensive line. Yeah, he was fantastic. I totally agree with you. And I think he'll go into next year with those preseason accolades that he probably should have had in the postseason this I, year. I agree. And whenever you see the way he plays every snap, you see the way his teammates respond to him. I mean – I'd be shocked if he's not a captain for this football team going into That's next a good year. Call. That's a good call. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I want to focus on the offensive line tonight. Guys leaving, guys coming back. What's the status going into next year? And a big score for OU in the transfer portal there. We'll talk about as well. You're watching the huddle here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. The huddle is brought to you by Rudy's. 
bringing you the best in barbecue. Kincade Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Homeland, a fresh experience. Proud sponsor of Sooner Football. The Sooner Sports Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Presented by Allstate and Riverwind. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Welcome back, everybody, to the huddle. My partner's back tonight. Teddy Lehman's back with us. And every week we're going to focus here in the winter and the spring on a position group and kind of take a deep dive. And tonight we're going to talk a little offensive line presented by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get passed. Get Pike Pass. Let's start by talking about some some goings, okay? And a couple of guys have declared for the NFL draft, most notably, and I think first was Creed Humphrey, who had a fabulous career, local kid from uh, Shawnee. He's headed to the draft, and um, not surprised, Eddie. I think we thought that was probably going to be the case, but good for him. What were your, your thoughts on Creed this year? Well, I thought Creed was, was excellent. You know, w- one of the interesting things is at center – it's usually your most cerebral guy, your most trustworthy guy to get the protections right, kind of the anchor of the offensive line just to make sure everything is set the way it's supposed to be. But kind of in this offense, in the run game particularly, he ends up being a guy that back blocks a lot and you know doesn't maybe use all of his best assets. So I, I thought that was interesting. And that's going to be different for him at the next level uh, quite a bit, but uh, so it was kind of a, a weird year for him, but I thought he was excellent. You know, rarely were we ever talking about him getting beat so strong. Uh, like I said, anchors that group in the middle can really uh, sit down and, and and absorb those guys that are trying to get to the quarterback. He's moves guys off the ball in the running game. I mean, he could really do everything. And, you know, I, I'll take, I take my cues on offensive line from Gabe Eichert a lot and Gabe says he's the best center in Oklahoma history, so I'll take that from Gabe, and that's high praise. Gabe was unbelievable himself. But was it Gabe that also told you that the center is the most cerebral? No, oh, okay. I, I, that's something I've just kind of gathered over the years, and <laughs> I think I shouldn't true. have said cerebral. I should have said football smart because those are two different things, Toby. <laughs> okay. um, I I just I think that that Creed is one of the rare guys that checks like every single box. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you've got a guy that's big and strong, but does he really know the offense as well as everyone else? Is his technique is as good as everyone else? Or does he get by with it because of how athletic he is? The Creed is incredibly athletic, incredibly strong, incredibly smart, uh, a great leader, an example for everyone on the team. Uh, a technician understands the technique of the position as good as anyone and has rare size for the center position at, you know, what is 6'5", 325, 330 pounds, which is just ridiculous. So, I mean, he's a guy that, that literally checks all the boxes whenever you're looking for an offensive lineman and versatility because he played center for us, but 
he can play left, right, guard, center, all three positions in the NFL, which teams love. What do you project him at? It's hard to say. You yeah. know, he was a guy preseason that everyone talked about as, you know, a end of the first round, early second type of guy. And for whatever reason, as the year went on, uh, kind of fell off some of those mock drafts into later rounds or to where you didn't find him at all. Uh, I think that whenever teams see him at the Senior Bowl and see what he can do in one-on-ones and, and just the, the size, the physicality, how smart he is, I think he's going to go right back to where people originally projected him as uh, uh, a high second-round type of guy. And if the fit is perfect and he has a good combine, good Senior Bowl, could maybe go into the first round. My favorite Creed moment was the first time I ever saw him on Owen Field, which was in the spring game his freshman year. He didn't start. He came in with the reserves later. And I thought, oh, my God, look how big. That guy's not the center, is he? Because, you know, wrong. he is. And then the first snap, he drove whatever the poor scout team <laughs> defensive lineman was, you know, 10 yards deep. And I thought, this guy's going to be a, a star. The other guy that headed to the NFL draft, Adrian Ely, who played at right tackle this year, for OU. Again, not a surprise. Maybe didn't have the star power attached to his name that Creed had this year, but he's got a chance, you think? I think he's got a chance. You know, he's he's uh, a lockdown guy. We didn't hear his name a whole lot, and That's at tackle, good. that ends up being a good yeah. thing. And, you know, I was a little bit surprised, and maybe I shouldn't have been. Uh, maybe I should have expected it. Um, surprised not because I don't think he's capable, just because it's a guy that, for whatever reason, I didn't really think would be going but here's the thing man you turn the tv on on sunday and watch nfl football there's bill beanbow guys yep. all over the league right so there's instant credibility with oklahoma offensive linemen now uh whenever he goes down to the senior bowl here's an oklahoma kid uh he's going to be coached really well he's going to play with uh, tremendous technique uh if He's a typical beatenbow guy. He's going to have a mean streak in there, too, which teams love. So I think that credibility with the pipeline to the NFL and all of the guys that, that Bill's coached up that are, that are playing on Sundays and into the playoffs, I think that helps him a ton. All right, so Humphrey gone, Ely gone, uh, Marquise Hayes says he's coming back. That's good for Oklahoma. Let's talk about the, the major news that happened in this last week in the transfer portal, and that's that Wanye Morris, offensive tackle from Tennessee, is headed to Oklahoma. 6'5", 320, former five-star kid who I think has the potential, Teddy, you tell me, to move right into the starting lineup, perhaps. He's got all the, all the athletic gifts that you look for. Um, I think he's a little raw technique-wise, um, and I think that's fine because we know that that's what Bill Biedenboe's specialty is. He's got a mean streak, which is, is what you look for. Uh, Bill Biedenboe wanted this guy out of high school, uh, recruited him pretty hard. Uh, he's physical. I love, I think he's the perfect size. He's 6'5", 320. I don't, you know, I, I know we've had some huge guys. I'm not really a fan of, of tackles when they get too big. Um, you know, he, he, he kind of reminds you of, of Ely a little bit with, with what he can do. So I like it a lot. Now, I don't know that it's a guarantee that he's a starter, but I think he's got a really good chance to, to work into that role and, and try and be our left tackle. All right, let's remind you of a couple of other guys that were a part of this signing class on the offensive line, starting with Savion Bird. Savion Bird was a four-star kid out of Duncanville, Texas. 
he made his decision on signing day. That was kind of the big get on signing day. One of them for Oklahoma, 6-6-3-10. Another tackle. When you're talking about a true freshman, though, Teddy, you're probably saying, you know, unless they're super special, could be a couple of years away. Yeah, with this group of veteran guys that, that we've got, be oh. shocked if it's a, a guy that ends up starting or getting a, a big amount of playing time. But – He's got all the hallmarks of a, of a beaten bow guy. He's big. Uh, he's, he's a road grader. He plays with attitude. He finishes guys downfield and, and caps off on these blocks. So, I mean, I think the, the ceiling is high. I mean, here's the thing. Rarely do guys come in and play for, for beaten bow that are highly recruited, that have all of the talent and, and don't pan out because everyone ends up being coached so well that typically, you know, just because you're not a three-year starter doesn't mean that you weren't an intricate part of this this football team. Right. Take a guy like uh, McIver. Right. Beanboat loves him because there's so much trust there. If in a long season, people are going to get hurt. People are are, are going to have, you know, COVID issues or academic issues. Who knows what's going to happen? And on the offensive line, you may have to move guys around. You need depth that you can trust. So the fact that we're getting some guys in, uh, highly recruited guys that, that check all the boxes for beating Bo is a good thing. The other guy in this signing class was a guard, Colin Montgomery out of Bel Air, Texas, 6'5", 315. Same as Savion Bird. We'll take a look at a couple of his highlights here, but uh, another big guy, another big, a six-five-three fifteen. So the three guys we're talking about coming in six-five, six-six, six-five. All of them three bills plus. Yeah, and all of these highlights look the same. They look like angry, gigantic guys playing <laughs> offensive line, and uh, that's what Coach Beatenbo looks for. He wants people that finish people. Who takes Creed Humphrey's place at center next year? Well, uh, my guess is that it's going to be Murray. I, I don't think it's guaranteed. Chris Murray. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a chance. I think there's going to be a great battle there. Uh, I think there's going to be a battle between Murray, McIver, I think, uh, could factor in there. As, as I said, Beanbo loves how good he is and how consistent he is, is uh, accountable. I even think there's a chance that Rame could play Andrew soon. Andrew Rame, wow. So I, I think Rame is going to be like uh, – He's your utility guy. I think he may end up being a guard, but I think he could factor in at center. And if you need him to, he could play tackle. We saw him uh, try and play some tackle. So my gut tells me you're going to have Harrison at one tackle. You're going to have uh, Wanye Morris at the other. Marquise Hayes at one guard. Tyrese Robinson and Murray at center. But Andrew Rame could be the guy that, that factors in there and, and wins a spot somewhere. Good depth. Uh, great for Bill Beaton, but we'll take a timeout. When we come back, there's a new member of the OU football coaching staff. We'll talk Joe John next on The Huddle. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Welcome back, everybody. Toby and Teddy with you. We're at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Talking Sooner football. We're talking basketball next hour with Lon Kruger and Sherry Cole. Stick around for that. 
couple of awards announced this week. Freshman All-Americans going to Marvin Mims and Spencer Rattler. A couple of guys you've already talked about, Teddy, but well-deserved. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, you know, Spencer Rattler, you look at most publications out there, have him as... Uh, you know, either the favorite or maybe the number two guy as far as Heisman odds next year. That tells you how good his year was this year. And obviously, Mims goes out, breaks the OU record for touchdowns in a season for a freshman, which we've had some really good freshman receivers come through here So that, that and some really good offense. So that tells you quite a bit. I think these two guys were fantastic. And next year, I mean, I – I don't know if it's fair to say a breakout year for Mims, but there were some big-name wide receivers in college football this year. Obviously, we had a Heisman Trophy winner. I think next year could be Marvin Mims' year. This segment brought to you by Riverwind, still the one. I think the bigger story, Teddy, here is, you know, we've, we've talked about signing classes the last few years under Lincoln Riley stepping up on both sides of the ball. They've been better and better and better. Obviously, Mims and Rattler were great. And some of these are redshirt freshmen, but all of them are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen playing their first year. Seth McGowan, major contribution this year. Mikey Henderson was fantastic. Anton Harrison, you mentioned, started several games on the offensive line. And on defense, Woody Washington, DJ Graham, probably go into next year as your starting corners. Uh, Reggie Grimes, contribute on the defensive line. I know you love Brendan Walker and Shane Witter. So big-time contributions from a bunch of freshmen this year. In a year in which the early arrivals did not get spring football, yeah. did not get summer uh, like they typically do, training camp as far as like the, the way they practiced and rules and how they were practicing was different. So to have that many guys contribute on what I wouldn't consider a young team, Right. Yeah. I mean, they came in and fought for playing time and fought for spots. So I, I think it's fantastic. And hopefully we have a more normal spring and a, norm, nor, a more normal off season, And we can get some good needed experience through the spring, work on some of that depth at, at some of these positions, get those guys some more reps now that they've got a good basis of understanding of, of what they're going to be doing. And here's the other thing. we got to get bigger, faster, stronger. And having those guys on campus for a full offseason is going to be great. Coaching news this week. Of course, Shane Beamer left to become the head coach at South Carolina. Had to replace him. And they did it with a very familiar name, very familiar face and hair and everything. <laughs> Joe John Finley is going to be the new tight ends, H-backs, special teams emphasis coach at OU. Look at this. Some old Joe John file. From back of the aughts, he had a fantastic career here, 10 touchdowns. What do you think about the hire, Teddy? Well, a stud player and an even better coach. Uh, he is fantastic. And here's the thing, and I know I know people sometimes look at hires whenever they bring a, a former player in and say, oh, man, they just hired a former player. Could they really uh, maybe gone out and got someone better? But here's the thing. I think Joe John Finley – would have been uh, the best for this job, even if he didn't play at Oklahoma. Uh, wh what he's done in coaching has been fantastic. Now, he GA'd here for a couple of years under Coach Stoops. Um, he got on at, at Missouri, was, was there for three years, uh, was at Texas A&M for a year coaching tight ends for Fisher, and then most recently was down at Ole Miss with Jeff Lebby as um, the tight ends coach and, and passing game coordinator. So he brings a wealth of knowledge 
He was an absolute stud blocking tight end. You see him in the passing game was good too, but he was a blocking tight end. That was his real strengths. And Stogner, Willis, those guys are going to be definitely better blockers because of Joe John Finley. I think it's an outstanding hire. And again, I think he would have been the best for the job if he played football at Missouri State, but I think it's definitely a bonus that he played here. Old uh, old Miss this year, by the way, where you mentioned he was pass game coordinator and tight ends coach, number three in the nation in total offense. So obviously had success down there. And I don't, I'm not hearing any of the storyline of, I mean, I'm not listening to any of the storyline about uh, sooner coaches coming back. Kel Gundy. Yeah. Maybe it's not there. Maybe I just created it. No, it's it so there. I'm just saying I'm not putting up with any of it. Gail Gundy's had an unbelievable career. Sure. Uh, you could argue that Calvin Thibodeau had the best unit on the team this year for OU. Odom Brian Odom is doing a fantastic job, and DeMarco Murray early on is killing it, too. Yeah. So it's working out. I heard DeMarco Murray played here. I couldn't remember that, if that was true <laughs> or not. I mean, there's a there's a, a pipeline of, of – coaches that come from Oklahoma and I think it's because of the consistent play over the years the discipline within the program we've got plenty of head coaches out there that that come from from this program play as players so I I think I always get upset whenever people think it's a negative I think it's one of the best positives you can have someone that understands what it means and it has a little bit of pride in how the program and it does and what their legacy would be here as a player and as a coach. That's enough, Joe John highlights. You know, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. You know, they say in baseball that catchers make the best managers. Not always true, but if you look at some of the greatest managers in baseball history, a high percentage of them were catchers. And if or pro coaches or football coaches, I mean, you just look at the ones that are at OU. Kale was a quarterback. DeMarco was a running back. Calvin defensive line. Brian Odom was a linebacker. Joe John was a... Uh, uh, a tight end. Bob Stoops was a defensive back. It's kind of all over the place as to where you played and who turns into uh, a great football coaches. So. Well, you know, in, it's interesting because like in baseball, the, the catchers like kind of orchestrating a lot of stuff yeah. there, but in football, most positions are very tied into the, like the overall picture. Uh, you know, Seth Luttrell was a running back, you know, running backs are, are right there in all those offensive meetings. I have to understand protections and where they fit uh -huh. in. And, you know, so every, I think in, in football, it's, it's more of a sport where you could be locked in pretty much at any position. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, our first edition of a new segment in layman's terms. I think you're going to like this. We'll be back at the huddle at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics Exclusively. 
Welcome back to the huddle. Um, my man's the best color analyst in America. I'm not, I listened to a bunch. He's the best. And the reason is that he can explain complicated football goings on on both sides of the ball in a very quick amount of time. So he gets out of my way. That's good. That's important. In a very quick amount of time and in terms that we can all understand. And so we wanted to, in this offseason, kind of dedicate a segment to that. We're going to call it in layman's terms. It's brought to you tonight by Kincaid Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Visit KincaidCoach.com for more information. So, Teddy, the question tonight is, how did Oklahoma get so much pressure on the quarterbacks this year? That defensive line had a magnificent season what did they do that worked so well for them well we got great talent there obviously we've got athletic guys um, that can win one-on-one battles and we see that a lot with those guys but you know whenever you watch Oklahoma one of the other hallmarks that you see is a lot of stunts and a lot of twist a lot of movement now we move pre-snap to kind of mess with the head of the offensive line a little bit and I think a lot of people whenever they see a, a twist or a stunt after the snap, they think that you're trying to throw off the blocking scheme again, but it's not really what you're, what you're doing. You're trying to get guys on an edge to force two guys to block one because in a four-man rush, we know that you've got five guys blocking four. Someone's going to get double teamed. Someone's going to get help. But if you can get to an edge and run a twist and end up having two guys forced to block one, even though they don't want to, because of penetration, they can't come off and accomplish the block. You end up having two guys block one. So you're evening out the numbers. And sometimes if you run double twist, you can end up having four guys blocking only two of your players. So as we see some of this unfold, whenever you run a twist, the key is to get to the edge of one of the players, not necessarily just get in the gap, but get to the edge to where they cannot pass it off between the two players. You want them to where uh, uh, the levels are such that they can't get back to each other. As they try and bump to pass each other off, if you're in a gap, you naturally what we call ricochet and just come off of one guy and, and you end up coming totally free. So we see that a lot with the Sooners. They do it really good. And Part of what you have to do is you have to get these offensive linemen to engage you. And as you penetrate, you get to the edge of the guy. Then he sees the looper. And by that time, it's too hard for the guy from the outside to bump in because of the penetration. You've already gotten upfield and he can't block you. And sometimes you end up getting both guys come free. That's an excellent stun there. And as you watch some of these clips, it goes a little more in depth because If you notice where they're running stunts, now this is a run stunt, run twist on a running play, and that makes it difficult for our guys to get back in line. But a lot of these plays, it ends up going to the two-man side. What I mean is the center's always going to go one direction, one way or another. And by studying the formation, down and distance tendencies, what their offense does, we know pre-snap what way the center's going. So we'll run our games away from that to where our guys can end up having the numbers to make plays. So you got to make sure you don't just twist to twist. It's got to be effective. It's got to be into the right protection scheme. And once you have all of that done, the, the technique has to be executed perfectly. A lot of times, because of just the athleticism 
you know, guys get so quick that at the college level, sometimes they never even pass it off or never even see it. But the real goal is to get to an edge to where physically they cannot get to where they block both guys because of the penetration. And as you see some of these, see the penetration here over on the left side. Once he penetrates and you've got the looper coming around, there's no way that those two players can block the two defenders. It just can't happen. And you end up having two guys on one, and you end up having a free rusher on the outside. It's fantastic. There you see the penetration. The tackle can't even disengage to come to the outside looper. It's run excellently and you know, it, it takes a ton of practice, a ton of coaching, and it doesn't just happen overnight. It's rep after rep after rep. That's why they were so much better at it this year than they were a year ago. It's, it, there's, there's small little details in there as to how you want to run these games. Like I said, making sure it's done against the proper protection, proper side against the proper look and then once you have all of that the technique has to be perfect and then even when the technique is perfect you got to have explosive athletic guys yeah. that are running those those twists and right now we've got guys that are that are doing all of those a couple questions for you is that always a call sent in from the sidelines is there any freedom on the field for two guys to say hey let's run this this time or to read, you know, you talked about knowing which way the center's going to go. Is there any of that that's being read on the field in live action, or is all of that sent in from the sidelines? It's hard to say. From I, I can't necessarily say for Oklahoma, but the answer to that generally in football is yes on the fly. Um, if, I, if, if we have a straight rush and I'm a defensive end and I've been countering and going inside a lot, I'm going to tell the guy on the other side, I'm going to speed rush, cover me. He'll inside move, force the quarterback out, and I'll chase over the top on a speed rush. There's always coordination going on between your rushers. If you're going inside, I, I've got a, I'm a defensive end. I've been speed rushing. I'm going to spin in. I'm going to counter and come inside. I'm going to tell my three technique next to me, I'm countering. I'm coming inside cover me because if I don't get home the quarterback's going to come outside so he'll naturally work an outside move to where it turns into what they call a natural stunt so it's always on the it's fly be between those guys. So it's and not four guys on an island lining up and saying you do whatever you got to do to get there there's coordination that goes and, and things change as we know plays change on the fly we get a look we know the center's going to the field to the three receiver side we get a motion that may change the game that we're in. We're in a uh, a two-by-two two formation. We have a back that motions to empty. Now that may change our game because the formation has now changed. Maybe it's off. Maybe we check to another one. You know, so there's a million moving parts out there, and it's got to be coordinated perfectly. This is what happens, by the way, in the radio booth <laughs> before a game. Teddy will get the iPad out. And at some point, he'll say, Toby, come here, look at this. And he'll call me over, and he'll explain to me something, a concept that either the team we're playing that night or we're doing or something. It's great, and I don't pay a dime of tuition for it. It's a free <laughs> education that Teddy gives me every week, and now he's going to uh, help us out as well. Uh, before we go to break, let's take a look at some Sooners in the NFL. We're down to the final four, but Baker's uh, done playing, unfortunately. Almost got there last week, but here's some season stats for you. Kyler, magnificent year. Obviously, Baker had a tremendous season. Look at that, 30 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. 
Hollywood, CD's first year down in Dallas. That's Kenneth great. Murray was named a uh, uh, all-rookie team member by the football writers. And I'll tell you who's not mentioned there that might have had a better year than anybody. Mark Andrews might have established himself as the best tight end in football this year. He He's about to get paid. Yeah. And how about C.D. Lamb? I mean, 74 catches, nearly 1,000 yards in a season for a wide receiver is an incredible mark. And to do it with, like, what, four different quarterbacks or something <laughs> this year was pretty amazing there for C.D. Lamb. Orlando Brown and Trent Williams. Going to the Pro oh, Bowl, we could go on. We got and on. offensive linemen all over the league, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, you couldn't get through a game on Sunday without seeing a Sooner out there. All right, we'll take a break. We got a new game we're going to play for you when we come back to wrap it up. Talking basketball at the top of the hour as well with Lon Kruger and Cherry Cole. Stick around, everybody. You're watching the Huddle. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Health, Anheuser-Busch, and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola, and OU Health. Welcome back. Final segment of the huddle. As always, if you miss any portion of tonight's show, you can always catch it on demand via our Sooner Sports podcast. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, final segment. You know, we used to have a pick em segment here when we were in season. Can't do that anymore. No games to pick. Football anyway right now. So we're going to start a new competition. I think I won the pick em. I think I uh, won the I, I thought I, I last couple of weeks. too many I shots to the head. No, I won. Um, we're going to call this by the numbers. Now, our producer, Kurt Watson, has four questions for us tonight. We haven't seen the questions. We're going to talk about the answer. Whoever gets closer gets the point for that question. So here we go. Uh, first question tonight is, which Sooner holds the record for the most rushes in a single game? Rushing attempts in a single game. Ooh, I, I know who it is. I think I do, too. I, my guess is Steve Owens. That's who I was going to guess. I think, I think this is one of those, was it like 60-some, I believe, uh, in a Bedlam game way back uh, when, I think it was. 50 or 60, I believe. Are you well, sticking well, with you, it? Well, I, I mean, I'm sticking with Steve. We don't have Steve. to have how many carries. We just have to have oh, the okay. name of the player. I'm sticking with Steve Owens, yes. We're, we're both saying Steve Owens, Kurt, and the answer is Steve Owens, Bedlam, 1969, and we don't have how many carries he had on there, but uh, there you go. Okay, so we're nice. one for one. One for one. It's a good start for us. Question number two. Which Sooner had the most 200-yard rushing games in his career? 200-plus rushing yard games. <sighs> Just think about all the great OU running backs through the years. Steve Owens, obviously, Billy Sims, Joe Washington. Yeah, we Washington, can name them all day if you want. Greg Pruitt. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm going through the options in my head. In modern days, uh, Adrian Peterson and DeMarco Murray. Uh, who had the most 200-yard rushing games? I know who I'm going to guess. I, I think, you know, Whenever you look back, I, I think a lot of the rushing offense, which were historic, were spread out a decent amount. Um, we've been on a really good clip, and I think it's – my guess is recent. And Go it ahead. may be totally wrong. Go ahead. I'm going to say P. Ryan. Really? Mm -hmm. So, P. Ryan. We had the record breaker, so there's one there for you. Oh, that may be the only one. No, I know he went over 200 he a, against West Virginia. You got to factor in 
longevity a little bit too. You know, yep. a guy that may have left early may not have had as many opportunities. I mean, Billy and Joe were fantastic, and Greg Pruitt and with the wishbone days. But I think you're right. I mean, I think the, the quarterback had a lot of rushing yards mm -hmm. on those teams as well when they were uh, running the wishbone back in the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Adrian. I'm gonna say Adrian <laughs> Peterson. But he, I mean, he bolted a, a, a year early, so. Maybe I, the extra year gets you with Piran. That may be right. You know, I I was thinking maybe Quentin Griffin because he had that streak of going over 100 yards that was like uh, 11 games or right. something like that. But I don't think he's going to be on that list. Well, let's see. Uh, you're going – you're sticking Piran. I'm yep. going to go Adrian Peterson. Billy Sims. <laughs> Billy Sims. Oh, I'm sorry, Billy. We're going to hear about that next Seven time. Seven career him. games. I'd like to see kind of where everyone else stacks up because that's a yeah. pretty good number. Yeah, pretty that's good pretty number. Good. Uh, and you're right, longevity. You know, we both picked guys that didn't play four years. We picked two guys that don't have a statue outside the stadium, too, and that <laughs> guy's got a statue. Maybe so. dumb in hindsight. All right, here we go. Question number three. Which Sooner quarterback attempted the most passes in a single game? I, mean, I, I got, I got one that came Landry right to Jones. mind. That's what I was going to say, too. Um, you know, in recent years, since Lincoln's been here, uh, even, you know, I don't think Baker – through more than 40 passes in a game, hardly at all. I right. think one season he went the whole season without throwing more than that. And we're usually, like the by the end of the season, we're usually like a 60-40 run football team. That game, uh, the, the Patrick Mahomes game, the Tech game, Mahomes threw it 80 times or something I like that. I think he had more completions than... Baker had, 30, Baker had 37 attempts in that game. Right. So you're going Landry Jones... I want to say Landry had it's like a – There's nobody back in the day that would have had that many. I feel like he had like a 75-attempt game or something. I'm told if we would look at the screen, the answer oh, <laughs> 71. Okay. We both got it right. <laughs> 71 attempts in Bedlam in 2012. Wow. Wow. We called that game, Teddy. We should have remembered. I guess we did remember it. So, Okay. So two for three. Here's the final question tonight. Name one of the three years – that the attendance at the OU Texas game maxed out at 96,009. This is an odd question, I believe. I mean, I think this is pretty easy. Well, it's got to be. It, it wasn't this year. Right. So it's and they just be expanded the three years pri prior. So 17, 18, 19, right? I believe that's correct. That's what I would say. 17, 18, and 19. I the mean, answer is. Hmm. 9, 10, and 11. So are they saying now it's more than that? Is that what they're saying? We're going to need some further explanation uh, on this. I, yeah, I don't know, I guess. Is, did the, what a bizarre question, an attendance question? Well, this, the the expansion took it to 96, right? Is that right? I, I we're going to have to get further explanation on that a little Maybe bit Maybe it on, so. went to 96, and then they brought it back down for, for accessibility issues. Maybe I, I so. It's two to two after a week one. Wow. By the way, folks, um, if you haven't had the chance to uh, check out Teddy's podcast that he does with Gabe Eichert, it's called the Oklahoma Breakdown. They had an interview with Bob Stoops. Shortly after we found out that he would made it into the Hall of Fame. It's about 35 minutes. It's some of the best Bob Stoops that you've ever heard. Uh, it's a great listen. Uh, so give it a listen. Ted, good to see you back, buddy. Good to be back. Appreciate it, Toby's fun. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll be back with the huddle next week, but stick around. We've got Sooner Sports Talk coming up next with Lon Kruger and Sherry Cole. Huge basketball weekend on the horizon. We'll be talking about it. Boomer Sooner, everybody.
on the Sooner Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is Sooner Sports Talk, brought to you by AT&T, AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Bud Light, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Kincaid Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. And by Rudy's, proud home of Sooner Sports Talk. Cut off, step back, three ball up, got it! Live at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, this is Sooner Sports Talk. Here is your host, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Live at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, this is Sooner Sports Talk, presented by AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Also brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Bud Light, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Homeland, proud sponsor of Sooner Football. And by... Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, bringing you the best in barbecue. This is Sooner Sports Talk. Now, here are your hosts, Teddy Lehman and the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Welcome, everybody, to Sooner Sports Talk on a Thursday night. Talk, time to talk some Sooner basketball. Coming up in the next half hour, Sherry Cole will join us. Got a great feature on former Sooner, one of the most popular players we've ever had, Whitney Hand, coming up later in the show. But right now, please help me welcome the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. It's Lon Kruger, everybody. Hi, coach. Toby, good evening. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's great to see you. Opening segment brought to you by Noble McIntyre, McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury needs. Coach, your team was sensational on Tuesday, a 76-50 win over Kansas State. Back-to-back conference wins of at least 25 points for the first time since 2002. Didn't necessarily start all that smooth, but you certainly shifted it into high gear Coach, talk us through these highlights we're going to see here. Yeah, guys uh, doing a good job there, of course, sharing the ball well. They've, uh, you know, moving the ball well, a lot of assists, very few turnovers. So, uh, like what they're doing there, that was Austin DeKerr. And then uh, Alondis is really playing uh, some good basketball. And uh, EJ uh, Harkless there, uh, the three down from the perimeter, uh, had his biggest game, uh, you know, 13 rebounds and a couple of buckets uh, as well, and uh, six assists, I believe. So, and obviously Austin getting down a jumper, Moshe getting down a jumper. Uh, guys doing a good job and really connected on the defensive end. Like what they're doing there, creating some uh, offense from defense. 
looking for Austin to do a little bit more of that with regard to that uh, pop-up jumper. Showed some real explosiveness again in this one, Coach. It was a five-point Kansas State lead there with four minutes to go in the first half, and you go on a 15-2 run to close the half. Start the second. There's the exclamation point on the first half right there. Alondis Williams. Then you start the second half in a similar fashion. A big run as well, and I know that explosiveness out of your offense a lot of times starts with your defense, doesn't it? Well, it does. Uh, I think uh, out front, uh, Davion and, and Moja and, and EJ and whoever's on the ball out front have done a really good job of uh, setting the tone. Here's uh, Moja getting down a jumper in uh, transition. Uh, used to be the two-on-one, you'd go get a layup, but now uh, guys shoot the three. So uh, uh, when you shoot it like Moja does, uh, no problem. There's EJ. EJ finding Kerr in transition. I think Kerr had three dunks in transition in his ball game because he's a big guy that can really run the floor well. So uh, uh, Kerr's playing great, blocked a lot of shots. Uh, here, Trey Phipps getting uh, an end one here on, uh, on a breakaway layup. 19 assists. Coach mentioned the uh, ball movement. Uh, that's coming on the heels of a 20-assist game last time out against TCU. The turnover numbers have stayed low as well. And you see at the bottom there, a 20-point lead as they continue to expand late in the game. Good ball movement here again. The extra pass to Alondis Williams, who will drill the three in the corner. There's another one of those transition lay-ins for Kirkweth. Was able to get the foul there. Brady with a defensive play. We're going to talk about the return of Brady Manick in a second. But he got a three that might not be insignificant. I know it didn't make a huge difference in the score of the game. But I'm sure it felt good for Brady to knock that one down from a confidence standpoint. How's the big man feeling, coach? Yeah, it's great to have Brady back. Uh, he had had one day, uh, really a half day of practice prior to Tuesday. So we didn't expect him to be in game condition, but it was really good to get him in the ball game. And I know he was excited to be back. Uh, you know, Brady probably hadn't missed a game since uh, maybe his uh, middle school days. So uh, it was an odd feeling for him to be away from a team for 11, 12 days when you're in quarantine like that. So uh, great to have him back. And Jalen uh, Hill coming back as well. So uh, getting those two guys uh, back, uh, teammates were excited about that. You mentioned something in those highlights that Kevin Henry and I were laughing about during the radio broadcast the other night, and that is Mo Gibson pulling up for threes on a fast break. You know, back in our day, uh, in your day, I'm sure, too, Coach, if you do something like that, you find your way to the bench really fast. But when you can shoot like Mo can and, and basketballs, you know, a three-point line has become such a threat, it's not as frowned upon anymore. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, again, uh, the thought being uh, you give yourself a chance to make a three, and then you got a uh, 50-50 chance to get the rebound on a miss. So uh, really uh, analytics for what those are worth uh, probably don't frown on that uh, at all. Um, I want to ask you about Elijah Harkless, who was just sensational. I think he was your player of the game against Kansas State. He only had eight points, but 13 rebounds for your 6-3 uh, guard is what he is. Six assists. He had three steals in the game. He was all over the place for you. Are you surprised, Coach, that he's contributing as much as he is for you? Not surprised uh, that he's made progress with each ball game. Uh, I think obviously his most comfort, uh, uh, highest comfort level, uh, best production was in the ball game on Tuesday against Kansas State. But he's been making progress with each ball game. So uh, he, he's done things like that in practice since July. He's uh, you know a highly confident player, uh, great awareness, great energy. Does a really good job defensively. Puts pressure on the ball, uh, moves the ball. Gets good instincts. Good instincts. Good uh, good. 
basketball player in, in a lot of ways, but he came with the uh, rep of uh, being a very good rebounder and certainly showed that on Tuesday. You got Harkless, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but you got Harkless, who is proving to be a great on-ball defender. Davion Harmon, who in that category has really stepped it up for you this year. Mo Gibson came here with that reputation of being a great on-ball defender. You've got a couple of shot blockers on the back end, especially Kerr, who's now number two in the Big 12 in that category. This is shaping up to be, Coach, a very, very good defensive team. Are, I imagine you're pleased. Are you surprised, I guess, is my question for you, at the way you're playing defense this point in the season? To, to your point earlier, I think we've got the individuals that are capable individually of being very good. And I think uh, we've grown in terms of understanding the uh, significance of a five-on-five -five mentality on the defensive end. But when you have guys that can guard the ball and, and, can, and keep the ball in front of you and then uh, kind of, you know, piece it together and, and be connected, then you got a chance to be a very good defensive club. In the last uh, three ball games, especially, when we've gotten to the three-point shooter and we've limited the threes, uh, you know, the numbers, you know, um, speak very well uh, for themselves. So we've got a long way to go and we've got to keep making progress, but uh, guys are doing a good job with uh, improving each week. Most basketball practices go like this. Let's get the defensive stuff out of the way so we can go have fun and practice offense. I mean, that's how the, most of us feel. And you've coached enough teams. I'm sure most of the time that's the way it is. To get them to enjoy playing defense doesn't come naturally. But it looks to me, Coach, like this team is starting to love to play defense. Is that what you see in practice? It really is. Uh, they... Uh... Uh, they understand that they've made a lot of progress, but they also understand that uh, we, we need to have better communication. We need to, to block out a little bit more aggressively. We need to do some things to help us keep improving in that area. So the tell the guys today, uh, you know, really, uh, really feel good about the progress they've made, but really excited about where they could go. And we've just got to stay focused. We've got to keep working to get better every day. And this is a club that wants to do that, uh, again, to your point. So uh, long way to go, but uh, have to keep getting better, especially in the Big 12. Yeah, this is the point of the season where usually you, you see um, coaches pare down their rotation a little bit, you know, maybe start to just play seven or eight guys, perhaps. You're getting contributions out of 10 guys right now, sometimes 11 guys. Is it that depth? that is allowing you or how much how much does that depth factor into the ability to crank up the defense as high as you are because you know hey, we can get you a rest so you can crank up the defense because we got other guys that can play and depth is, is really important uh, no question about that uh, and then again having Brady back and, and Jalen back that gives us two more guys that uh, essentially uh, you, know, uh, you know Brady started all of his career and Jalen's been you know first guy in you know, for much of this year. So uh, that's really huge in, in that uh, as it relates to depth. And uh, like you say, when you know you don't have to go an extended period of time, you can go more uh, aggressively on each possession. Uh, it, it gives you a little confidence to uh, to uh, get after the ball a little bit more, knowing that uh, you got people that can come in and, and give you a spell and not lose any ground. Next up, the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. We'll preview that game. Take a look at our play of the week with Coach Kruger as well. You're watching Sooner Sports Talk brought to you by AT&T. Sooner Sports Talk is presented by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Kim Cade Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. Anheuser-Busch.
Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Homeland, a fresh experience. Proud sponsor of Sooner Football. Riverwind, still the one. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Welcome back to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue at Sooner Sports Talk. And we're with Lon Kruger. It's time now to look with Coach at our play of the game presented by Bank of Oklahoma. Long live your money. I don't think there's any doubt what the play of the game was from Tuesday night. Late first half, Kirkweth with the block, starts the fast break the other way. Reeves to Alondis Williams, who brings down the house as everybody heads to the locker room. It is our Bank of Oklahoma play of the game coach that's the kind of uh, way you like to head up that tunnel right there that's a great way to end the half uh, guys were pretty uh, pumped about that uh, it starts with Kerr blocking a shot on the defensive end Austin does a good job of pushing it then Alonis of course fills uh, the lane and uh, then throws it down really hard so guys are pretty pumped up about that what's your halftime routine with the guys coach uh, generally, you got 15 minutes, of course. So the guys go up, and they, uh, you know, this is really a different year here that we don't even go to the locker room. We go out in, uh, in the practice gym and space out to where you're not uh, within six feet of each other, and uh, you know, you, you talk about the things that you, you know, liked in the first half, things that got us good results, things that we need to improve upon, what the opponent is doing uh, in terms of uh, adjustments uh, that we need to make, uh, whether it be defensively or offensively, uh, kind of focus on uh, the things we want to do to open the second half. And this club's gone off to a good start. Last couple of ball games in the second half. So, uh, uh, again, you know, we've started ball games a little better here lately. We're, we're playing better. So, uh, naturally going to start better and, and uh, open the second half better. So, we've got to continue doing that. Davion Harmon uh, went down late in the game. You said it was a cramp and he's going to be okay, correct? He's doing fine. Okay. Yeah, he's doing fine. It was nothing. I mean, it was it was very painful at the, at the time, but it wasn't like a twisting or it wasn't like a, a, a bruise or a blow. It's just a muscle cramp, and uh, he's doing fine. Leading scorer for the second straight game for you. I mean, he's just flooded with confidence right now, Coach. It's fun to watch him play basketball right now. And he plays so hard. Uh, you know, he's on the ball out front. He, he runs the floor. He got two or three layups in transition. Uh, very powerful to the lay to the to the rim on, on layups. Uh, shooting the ball from three, uh, very well. So uh, you're right. Playing with a, a high level of confidence. I want to go ahead and uh, ask you about Kansas, and then we may circle back and talk about some of your guys a little bit later. But you get him again here. Just just played him a couple of weeks back, and and almost got him up at Allen Fieldhouse. What do you need to learn from that first meeting against him, Coach? Well, the fact that you just, uh, against any good team, uh, you, you got to play every possession for 40 minutes. And Kansas is a really good basketball team. So uh, they've got guys that shoot it from the perimeter. And Lawrence uh, McCormick really hurt us in the low post. So we've got to give him a little extra attention uh, down there. Kerr's doing a great job. Victor's doing a great job. Now we got Brady back to help uh, with some size inside. Uh, you know, we got to you know, keep them out of transition. They're always very, very good uh, in shooting the three, especially in transition. But just uh, across the board, you have to play really good basketball for 40 minutes. You mentioned, Brady, one of the points I wanted to make. You did not have him in Lawrence. You do now. David McCormick is blossoming into a major weapon for Kansas. How much does it help you to have Brady back in the lineup? 
Helps a great deal. You know, Brady's got uh, a little more size down there. Uh, he's got good instincts in, uh, in covering the post. Uh, you, know, you know, McCormick's uh, playing with a lot of confidence, so we got to get some help from the perimeter guys as well. But uh, great to have Brady back. Great to have Jalen back. Didn't have either one of those guys uh, in Lawrence. Your next matchup will be uh, at Texas. I mean, this gauntlet that you're about to embark on is unbelievable. Tuesday night, you'll be down in the Super Drum. First time you've seen the Longhorns this year, Coach. Length, athleticism, what's allowing them to play so well this year? Well, that uh, along with, uh, you know, experienced guards. They've got uh, great depth on the perimeter. They've got uh, three or four guards that have played a lot of Big 12 basketball games. They're playing at a high level of confidence. Uh, they're trusting each other uh, very good with their mobility and length defensively. And, uh, and then they're, uh, you, know, you know, playing with a lot of confidence on the offensive end, too. All right, I want to circle back and, and ask you about a couple of your guys, starting with uh, Kerr. Uh, Kerr had... Officially five blocks the other night. I think if you watch the tape, he had six. But he was given uh, five blocks the other night. And that's always been a part of his game, Coach. He's been a shot blocker for you since he stepped on campus. But I feel like the last two weeks or so, it's gone to another level. Why is that? I think it just relates to the confidence. Uh, again, he's uh, consistently made progress. What he hasn't done up until the last uh, maybe three weeks, he hasn't strung it together game after game after game. He's had five consecutive games where he's had a huge impact on uh, both ends of the floor. So that confidence level, he's, he's practicing with uh, with more of a swagger. He's uh, blocking shots in practice. He's talking more, uh, playing with so much more confidence. Uh, he's, got, he's got a high skill level for a 6'10 guy, you know, really finishes well around the rim. He, he passes the ball well, starting to shoot the perimeter jumper uh, in games. He's always done it in practice, but the confidence in games now is at a very high level. So uh, he's doing a great job. Victor Walker's a guy who also helped you out a lot in Brady's absence. Uh, what is the next step of development for Victor? What would you like to see him, you know, take up a notch in his game? And Victor's got such a high ceiling. Uh, he's got uh, an explosiveness that, you know, not many players have at any level. He uh, can get from spot A to spot B very, very quickly. Uh, he, he, he just really just needs to play. You know, he's a guy that uh, coming from, uh, you, know, uh, you know, out of the country, uh, didn't play a lot of basketball growing up, uh, really, you know, didn't play much basketball his senior year of high school. Uh, he's just going to get better and better, you know, the longer he plays the game. And uh, we need to get him uh, on the floor a little bit more and, uh, and uh, in reps in practice and, and do all those things that put him in game situations. Sooners and the Kansas Jayhawks coming up 11 a.m. early start on Saturday morning. We'll take a break. One final segment with Coach Kruger before we uh, bring in Coach Cole. When we come back, you're watching Sooner Sports Talk here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Sooner Sports Talk is presented by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics Exclusively. Anheuser-Busch. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. 
This week's Big 12 report brought to you by Kincaid Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Visit KincaidCoach.com to learn more. There you see the standings. Baylor on top. Texas a game back. I don't know what I got to do to get these standings put in the right order, but OU is in a three-way tie with Texas Tech in Kansas. I'm just telling you, I'm the one that gets yelled at for this. It's a three-way tie. Please put OU at the top of the tie. Then Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, K-State, and Iowa's State is in the basement at 0-5. Uh, That's how they stand right now as we bring Lon Kruger back in. Coach, we've got postponements right and left going on out there. Only two midweek games. Um, are we going to be able to play this Big 12 tournament at the end of the year? All, all that's a good question. Uh, certainly there's plans to do it, but, uh, you know, you think back over the last uh, 10 days or so, you know, probably half of our conference uh, scheduled games have been canceled. So, uh, you know, hopefully that is not a trend that continues. Because if you, uh, you know, think about the ones that, uh, you know, some people are down three games now, yeah. we're down one. Um uh, you know, if, if that was to continue to mount, then it's going to be awfully hard to get all those games scheduled. So uh, what happens with the postseason tournament? What happens with the NCAA? I know the plans are in place to, to have that all take place, and hopefully it does. But, uh, again, it's something we've got to play by ear. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on yeah. throughout the month of February. That's for sure. All right, our Academy Sports and Outdoors uh, Twitter question tonight comes from our very own Teddy Lehman. Coach. All right. He asked yeah. a fantastic question for you. If Lon Kruger had to hit a free throw or sink a four footer to save my life, which would you which would you choose, coach, a free throw or a four foot putt? Well, uh, again, uh, the pressure's on. That, That's right. Uh, I can't even imagine that pressure. But uh, I think, uh, you know, the free throw uh, years ago, anyhow, the free throw would have been uh, much more of a comfort zone than uh, hitting that four-footer. I don't know. I've seen you on a golf course, Coach. <laughs> They're both automatic, I think. Uh, Alondis Williams, uh, 13 points the other night. His career high was 15. We see the highlight reel dunks I feel like he's just right there on the verge of busting out for you and I mean like having one of those 25 point games the three-point shot is looking more comfortable he's so explosive when he drives the basketball can he be a guy like that for you coach can he be a 20-point guy for you Really believe he can. Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard for anyone to do it on a regular basis, but uh, like you mentioned, I think he's a guy that uh, is, is moving in that direction. He's making a lot of good plays in ball games. Uh, uh, he, he's shooting the ball with confidence. He's a very good distributor of the basketball. Uh, love what he's doing. Love his approach to the, to the game right now. He's guarding well. Uh, again, he's been rebounding well, you know, and that's something that uh, he didn't rebound in the last ball game, but. Uh, you know, he's aware of that, and uh, we hopefully will get him back in there helping uh, EJ and Kerr and Brady and all those other guys on the boards. Big showdown with Kansas coming up 11 a.m. on Saturday inside the Lloyd Noble Center. Then we'll be down in Austin, 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. Coach, thanks for your time tonight. Good luck against the Jayhawks. Thanks, Toby. Appreciate it. All right, that's Lon Kruger. Stay with us, though, Coach, or, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because right now we're going to roll a special interview for you. This is from our Varsity O interview series that Jessica Cootie has been doing, and she had the opportunity recently to sit down with one of our favorite former Sooners, Whitney Hand Jones, and she asked her about the Maddie Williams record-breaking performance that took place earlier this year. You know, she broke the record of Courtney Paris who, of course, Whitney played with and brings an interesting perspective about her teammate. Take a listen. 
You were teammates with Courtney. One of her records just got broken by Maddie Williams scoring 45 points. One of the cool stories about all of that is that Courtney got to be on the bench and she was the one that went up to Maddie. Maddie didn't even know how many she had, that she was close to the record. And it was Courtney that went up to Maddie and said, hey, there's a record, go break it. Since you were a teammate with Courtney, and we've heard a lot about that, that selflessness of her, that she really is all about the team. Is that surprising at all to you to hear that? No, not at all. Like it gives me actually, I just got chills and maybe get a little teary here because there's nothing like playing with someone like that. I mean, she was the most selfless human being I've ever played with and um, just completely rejected all the attention. I remember the double-double thing and how like, it was just constantly talked about, right? Like the media would ask you about it, it was constant and she hated it. And I remember the Tennessee game, I know she didn't foul out on purpose, but when she fouled out, there's a sense of relief, right? When that's kind of like, done and I believe her with my core because she was so about the team. She hated that all the attention was on her during those moments. So um, it doesn't surprise me at all. I, I bet even she was just the most excited that there was no jealousy in her. I guarantee it was all genuine excitement because that's just the kind of human being she is. And um, I just think, yeah, it's just really special being able to see that played out in real time. When you first heard the news that, you know, Coach Cole is going to bring her on staff, what was your reaction? I was so excited, like number one for the program. I think it just speaks um, just so highly of Coach Cole and, and ever anybody, you know, wants to come back and coach under you. I think that's just a neat, you know, picture to paint for anyone who's gonna come play with you. And then from a recruiting standpoint, you know, if you have an opportunity to learn from and be coached by Courtney Paris, there's not, um, there's not much like that. So I was excited for the program just in the promise that showed. And it's not just post moves and, you know, she's got the best hands probably of anyone who's ever played the game, but rebounding, you know, position, all the technical stuff for sure. But you think about what she's navigated in her life regarding the other pieces of it, right? The emotional pieces, the mental pieces, the pressure, um, you know, friendships, relationships, all the things. And um, she's got so much to give and I'm excited for all those girls that get to be touched by her. So you played with Courtney, you played with AT, Amanda Thompson also on the team. It's funny when uh, Coach Cole hired Courtney, she said, hey, nobody in America wants to take on my staff in a pickup game with AT, <laughs> with Courtney and with Jackie Styles. I mean, that's a pretty loaded, uh, coaching staff of former players, right? Yeah, and like Coach Cole would be like off the bench. I don't even think she'd be in the starting lineup, so she better watch out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm working currently on uh, National Girls and Women in Sports Day projects, talking to current student athletes about women that impacted them and inspired them to the path that they're on right now. Ana Yanusa was a huge fan of Courtney Paris, and I got to sit down with Gabby Gregory, and I asked her who was her favorite Sooner, and she said you, Whitney Hand, and that you really inspired her to want to become a Sooner. So you think about the players that are playing now, and Courtney's like, I didn't even know they knew you know, who I was back then, but you think about the players that are playing now that you had such an impact on those young girls. What does that mean to you? It's just, that's crazy. I mean, I like Courtney. I'm like, you you remember who I am? I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of a washed up, you know, a little overweight mom now, you know? <laughs> it's been a while, um, but no, it's so um, flattering. And I think it's, yeah, it's just, it makes you smile and um, you don't really realize it while you're playing, right? And I think um, just to speak to the generation that's out there right now, it's like, man, there are eyes on you and 
you hear it a lot, but then being reminded of that, um, it makes you it makes you proud of what you've done and um, proud of the work you put in. And I know that I'm just really grateful that you even have the opportunity to be on any kind of platform. I think we all know how valuable that is, especially these days when it's just so volatile. And um, if we can give anyone some kind of source of inspiration and encouragement, it's like job well done. We you know did our job, so that's awesome. Still has that killer smile. You can listen to that interview in its entirety on our Sooner Sports podcast. And when we come back, we'll be joined by the head coach and apparently the one that would come off the bench on the current team, Sherry Cole. We'll be back. Sooner Sports Talk is brought to you by... AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Get Sooner Sports news and talk on demand whenever you want with the Sooner Sports podcast. Exclusive interviews, post-game shows, and all things Sooner Sports. Subscribe today at Soonersports.com slash podcast. The Sooner Sports podcast is presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Dr. Tim Shannon and Dr. Mark Revels at Orthodontics Exclusively are proud to present the junior captain of the game and are pleased to honor these guests as they take the court with your OU team captains. For info on how your child can become the next junior captain, go to orthoexc.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Sooner Sports Talk at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. And please help us welcome in right now the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Sherry Cole. Hi, coach. Hey, Toby. How are you? I'm doing good. It's great to see you. And did you enjoy that interview with Whitney Hand Jones? Oh, my goodness. I loved every part of it except her saying that I would come off the bench. <laughs> I just want you to know right now that somebody has to get everybody organized, all right? Somebody has to call the play. Somebody has to make the sure, pass. That would be, that would be me. That would okay, be you. Yeah. Jackie and Courtney and Amanda and Colton, they can all shoot all they want, but I will put them where they're supposed to be and deliver the basketball, and that's important. I'm telling you, I think one-on-one -on -one right now you could take Colton. Ooh. Yeah, uh, disagree? If I got warmed up really good, like give me an hour <laughs> and a half to warm up, and then maybe. Uh, that'll be a text message later tonight, <laughs> I promise. Opening segment presented by Noble McIntyre, McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all your personal injury needs. Oh, Coach. 64-63 against Iowa State on Tuesday night. I'm listening to the end of this game with Chris Plank in the car on the way home and uh, just nauseous the way that this ended. But talk, you, your team played valiantly up there against an Iowa State team that was coming off a win in Waco. They just snapped Baylor's long winning streak in Waco. And you played fantastic, I thought, Coach. We did a lot of really good things, Toby, and I, I'm just heartbroken for our kids. I feel like I should have put them in a better position late in the game uh, to win than I did. I, I thought they adhered to the game plan beautifully. Iowa State is very talented and playing with a lot of rhythm and confidence right now. And, of course, we were coming off of not having much practice time and so uh, we worried about the things that we had to worry about. Look at that one. That we got, that's the only lady luck we got of the night, I promise you. Um, we, we put ourselves in a position to have a chance to win, and we just weren't quite able to finish it. I, I just was talking to a recruit, and I said, more often than not, we snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. We've done it multiple times. But this was one of those where 
we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. There's a legal screen call down on the baseline, yeah. and I didn't see it at the time because I was watching Taylor trying to move to set the screen at the top of the key, and then that's the uh, uh, Ashley Jones play, which we knew that she was going there, and this is play at the end, and just uh, a little bit too fast, a little bit wound up, switched off with Ashley's size on taut, and if we'd filled that with a crack right there, a movement off penetration, we might have had something good, but you know, um, daggummit, that's a hard one to swallow. And I, I feel, as a head coach, I just feel incredibly responsible for those close ones always. Well, uh, those highlights not pictured was the foul that you're talking about that was the key play of the game with about 15 seconds to go that gave them the ball back with the opportunity to take the lead. And uh, just a tough sequence of events. What do you say to your team after that? Well, I, I think, you know, this period of time, this COVID, this pandemic season has um, made us all acutely aware of the things that matter most. And it's it's brought something to my attention. You know, we, we played in Lubbock a couple of weeks ago and we won late and uh, there was massive celebration. It was fabulous. And I, I thought to myself on the flight home, if if that last basket had not gone in, we would have been miserable on this flight. But that last basket went in, and we are euphoric on this flight. There's so much that happened that is, is not that final, you know, two-second, three-second play, whatever you want to call it. How are we so dramatically, adversely or positively affected by one play? There has to be some greater significance for what it is that we do and not to wax too philosophical but I've said many times this season getting to the court to compete is a win we got there to the court against all odds and we competed that was a win then we competed for 40 minutes and put ourselves in a position to win the basketball game in the final seconds that's another win we just didn't have one more point than they did when the final scoreboard was tallied. And if we want to put everything on that, well, yeah, we all want to run and jump off a cliff. I don't think you need to put everything on that. Our team is getting better. They're showing remarkable resilience and character in the way that they're fighting in light of whatever circumstances are presented to them. So, um, I'm super proud of them. I think we're getting better, and we're having fun while we are getting better, and that's what's most important. There's no cliffs in Ames, Iowa, so that wasn't an option. But I'd, it is the toughest. Well, West Virginia is that way, too. If you're coming home from Ames after a tough loss, that's about the toughest road home in the Big 12 because you got an you got an hour bus ride back to the airport, and then it's a long flight. It's just miserable. Uh, it's, cold. Of, it's cold. You can just add yes. the adjectives. Oh, it's, yeah. No, it's always, yeah, it's just miserable. So uh, you mentioned last time, last week, that you had challenged Taylor Robertson, 26 points, eight three-pointers. I think she accepted the challenge, Coach. You know what she did so well, and we're going to look at those numbers, and, and she did shoot the ball really well. She had seven threes in the first half. Uh, but what she did so much better was move without the basketball. She changed her speed. Um, Iowa State is not a team that's just going to give her three-point looks. Uh, she continually used situations to her benefit. Um, 
you see a couple of times there, Mandy Simpson doing a great job. You wish you had a category for those assists because Taylor's coming off and putting the ball on the floor, but Mandy's setting the instrumental screen that gives her the space that she needs to get that shot up. So um, I, I was pleased, though. I thought Taylor really guarded well, too. I think she's really improving defensively, and there were several possessions that I marked on the computer sorter on the flight home where she really was changing her speed, and that's been a point of emphasis for her. So I'm, I'm really proud of her. Sooners with a tough one coming up on Saturday night. They'll be down at Baylor in Waco. We'll talk about that game coming up and more with Sherry Cole. Stick with us, folks. You're at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, and we're brought to you by AT&T. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Health. Anheuser-Busch and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies and our community partners Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola and OU Health Here's your Here's your Here's your Brought to you by Kincaid Coach Lines the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics Visit KincaidCoach.com to learn more There you see Iowa State on top then Baylor Sooners at one and four, but about to get hot to go on a run right here. We welcome back in uh, Coach Cole, and I want to start this segment, Coach, by leading into that Baylor showdown with a uh, question from Twitter. It is our Rudy's Anywhere question of the night. Rudy's Barbecue and Country Stores, where we host this show every week. It's from Matt on Twitter. Coach, what are the keys to beating Baylor Saturday? You think Matt is a potential Baylor scout? Could be. Could be. Mm, I might want to be. Hey, throw them off the track. Really yeah. vaguely <laughs> generic here. Or, um, yeah, I don't think there's any big secret. Uh, Baylor's size and athleticism is what gets you every single time. If you take poor shots, if you turn the basketball over, they turn it up in transition, and then you got all kinds of problems. That's where their strength lies. Um, it's hard to do anything about their rebounding prowess. Iowa State did, however out-rebound Baylor, so um, there's some hope there, perhaps. Uh, Iowa State not being incredibly athletic. They are bigger than us, but but not incredibly athletic, so uh, I think that speaks to maybe the importance of being fundamental and doing your job, but it's Baylor's speed and athleticism that you have to contend with. Then you got Kansas on Wednesday night back home in Norman. Second time you've seen the Jayhawks. You played them back in early December up at their place. That's the game when Joe Castiglione was your equipment manager. You didn't have Maddie Williams a long time ago. Uh, you get him this time around. Can you learn anything from that game, or are you entirely yeah, different? That's what's so interesting about this season. I mean, um, we play Kansas and Oklahoma State with six, and um, um, Maddie, Mandy, and Tatum aren't in the gym for either of those games. So that that's tough. Uh, I think Mandy maybe came back the day of the Oklahoma State game. Um, but uh, completely different, uh, obviously, with, with our guys there. So who knows? I haven't seen Kansas in a bit. They've been on a pause because of COVID. So I don't know who they have or how they're playing right now. And if we knew right now, it would probably dif be different by the time the game gets here. So uh, we'll just – we'll play Baylor and then – Wake up the next day and see what's on the horizon. I don't think I've asked you about Tatum Weitenheimer yet on one of these shows anyway. How do you evaluate where she is right now, and, and what is the next step for her? I thought she played really well in Ames, really well. Defensively, she's always somebody that we can count on. She's a very good assignment defender. 
Um, she can focus on taking away a player's strength. She's tough and heady and a good anticipator, uh, just understands little nuances. Uh, and she shot the ball well in Ames, which is a great development. And she has improved her perimeter shooting. I hate it that, you know, she's she was out for an extended period, um, had COVID right before the holiday, so the holiday attached to that, and that gave a, a long period in which she couldn't play basketball and couldn't do activity. And so when she came back, it's been a little bit of a struggle getting her body back in, into shape and, and being able to, to be ready for games. But I thought what, what happened in Ames was um, a great step in the right direction, and she said she felt better physically. So we're happy about that. And, and then now we get – if we can get Tot back to full speed yeah. after her pause, then maybe we get that one-two punch at the point guard position that we were counting on. We're at 20 or 30 seconds here, but you mentioned Nevaeh played her a little bit the other night. Kind of were forced to – how is she feeling? How is she coming along? Um, better today. I mean, she didn't get any practices. Uh, we shot around in Ames on Monday night so that she could actually shoot and, and move around a little bit. So that's the first time in 10 days. That's a long time uh, to not play basketball and then get thrown into a game. And, um, you know, you, she's got to get her, her, her rhythm back is the main thing. I don't think you really lose conditioning, but you get you got to get your rhythm back. And so I feel like she'll be better this weekend. Um, she's feeling fine. And uh, I when I left the gym late this afternoon, we practiced this morning. When I le left late this afternoon, she was in there with uh, earbuds in, working with the basketball and a bunch of cones. And uh, <laughs> so she's after it. Coach, thanks for your time. Good luck against Baylor. Thank you, Toby. Could you get a bigger OU on your shirt? I like you, you like think? that. I'm, I'm representing, Coach. That's yes, representing the brand. <laughs> thanks for your time, Coach. Big Saturday coming up. Kansas for the men at 11 a.m. Baylor for the women at 7 p.m. down in Waco. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Live at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, Sooner Sports Talk has been brought to you by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Kincaid Coach Lines, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. AT&T, AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. And by Rudy's, proud home of Sooner Sports Talk. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.